0: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to The First Serve on this uh, Monday night. Uh, Great to have uh, your company, of course, on the back of uh, what was a spectacular fortnight at Melbourne Park. Uh, Before I... Uh, really uh, get into the guts of this show. Let's go back to last night. Sinner backhand cross court. Medvedev backhand cross court. Up the line by Sinner. Cross court forehand Medvedev. Up the line by Sinner. And it finishes in style off his forehand that has been the absolute devastating wing in this tournament. at Full stretch, Yannick Sinner. It's the most appropriate shot to make him a Grand Slam champion.
2: For sure it takes a little a little while to process everything, but I'm extremely happy how I handled also today's situation on court. was was very, very tough. And, but I think the most important part was, was, was the support I had throughout. These two weeks, uh, I felt that many, many people were watching also uh, from home uh, in the TV. So I, I just tried my best. Uh, I, um, I was a little bit <laughs> in trouble today with uh, two sets to love down, and, and I just tried to stay, stay positive.
1: Yannick. We salute you. Arena Sabalenka, we salute you too. Matthew Ebden, what a weekend for the Aussie. What about the 43-year-old Rohan Bapana? Today, he is the world number one men's doubles player. How good was the wheelchair tennis? Takito Oda, the 18-year-old from Japan. What a superstar. The juniors were out in action. We've got some promising juniors. There's one called Emerson Jones. She's a Gold Coaster, 15 years of age, making... The final was the first Aussie in a junior girls final since Ash Barty at Wimbledon back in uh, 2011. Just so many things to pull apart from a huge uh, fortnight, but it is great to be back with the only dedicated weekly tennis show on Australian Commercial Radio. Of course, now SEN, uh, of course, expanding into uh, New Zealand. So always great to have our SENZ audience on board as well. And I have great delight in bringing this show uh, to you, the people who love their tennis, because You know, as well as I do, we're only just getting started. For the casual uh, tennis fam, uh, January is the time that uh, they only consume tennis for that period. But this is a long, long year ahead. But we strap ourselves in. We go all the way through to the end of November with this show. So once again, I say thank you to SEM for allowing us to have a two-hour dedicated tennis show. Amongst all the great sport that we cover at this uh, radio station, the sport that is truly global... We have Aussies fighting tooth and nail on the global stage trying to make a living. And beyond uh, this Australian Open, they're already here, there and everywhere. There's a pocket of Australians down in Burnie and Tasmania for the next uh, fortnight. A few of our female players have gone to Thailand. James Duckworth, the Aussie, back inside the top 100. He's gone off to Cleveland. So they're on the Learjets. They're going here, there and everywhere. one 300 736 736 I'd love your Australian Open reflections uh, tonight. Anything you want to bring up from the summer of tennis it doesn't have to just be about the Australian Open. We had the return of Brisbane, the United Cup second version, I think, was far better than the first. Great crowds in Hobart with Daria Saville, uh, the major draw card there, having her great run uh, through to the uh, semi finals. Uh, Adelaide, once again, putting on a terrific tournament. Those who went down to Kooyong, a uh, little boutique uh, tournament just uh, prior to the Australian Open, and that's where. Yannick Sinner started his season with a couple of hit-outs. And I know that Peter Johnston was uh, getting the signature of Yannick. And that's what he wanted. He didn't want a full tournament. He just wanted a couple of nice hit-outs before launching into the Australian Open. one 736 736 For all things uh, real estate, speak to Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts. Paul in Camberwell, you're our first caller for uh, 2024. And uh, you can give us your AO report card. Paul, uh, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, day, Brent. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you, my friend. Great to have you on board.
3: Yeah, thanks. Um, last night's match was um, unbelievable. Um, the rallies were fantastic. I think that the young fella just wore him down because he broke the record for the most hours on court in uh, Grand Slam tennis history. 24 hours plus on court.
1: Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. Yep.
3: And and he, he wore him down. And when he he's all skin and bones, the twenty-three-year-old Italian. But when he puts a bit of muscle on, he's going to hit the ball harder. and He's going to be around for a while, I think.
1: Well, he's a beauty, Paul. And I remember when someone first alerted me to the name Yannick Sinner, and you know I watched him on the stream, and he was playing a couple of challenges. And for those who don't know, it's a fascinating story, the Yannick Sinner story, because yes, like most or like all uh, pros, he picked up a racket very, very young. But he had the option of skiing, tennis and football. Growing up in northern Italy, near the ski slopes, he won a couple of junior championships as a skier. And um, he uh, obviously was very good at football as well. And tennis was sort of the third sport. And he was only playing a couple of times a week. And then by the time he got to the age of 13, he said, I want to take this more seriously. And he went off to Riccardo Piatti's uh, academy. Uh, Well-known, uh, uh, long-time Italian coach. His coach, many a fine player. He uh, laid the foundations for the Sinner career. And it all happened very quickly. He never played, uh, Paul, he never played any of the junior Grand Slams. His ranking wasn't good enough. I think his career-high ranking in the juniors was 133. He never... It never gave him the, the platform to actually get into the juniors' uh, slams. And then he gets to 17, he's playing a challenger and he wins. I remember, uh, I can't remember where it was exactly. It might have been in Italy. And I had him on this motorbike uh, doing a lap of honour uh, around the court. And we thought, right, this young kid's arrived, Yannick Sinner. We're going to keep an eye on him. And then um, he jumps on the scene, alcaraz overtakes him. Uh, and now Yannick Sinner is sort of at the moment uh, overtaking uh, Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, Paul, we're pretty blessed, aren't we? Brent, mean...
3: Brent, can I talk to? You? Hey, Brent, can I just say a couple of small things? Of course, you can. Yeah. Okay. So the first is that um, that I don't I don't agree with Billy saying that his oh, okay. call on 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 left today. I, you can't get you can't read the game of, of left. You don't want to change the rules of tennis, don't
1: you? I'd, I'd get rid.
3: I'd get rid of no, the no, absolutely not. You know what? Time-consuming, Brent. Brent. Yep. Is the. is every point they go and wipe their face with the towel. That's why the games go so long.
1: <laughs> well, I will tell you what, uh, Paul. We should get rid of the lets. I've been banging on it for ages. It took an extra fifteen hours of time on court just for the lets. These ridiculous lets that are so fine that don't affect the trajectory of the ball. So I'm on that. I would have sudden death juice. This is where I'm at in my mind. And I'm consuming a lot of tennis, calling a lot of five-set matches. And I love the traditions of the sport. But tennis has got to uh, keep evolving. And I love it in the doubles. I love sudden death juice in the doubles. Uh, No drink after playing one game. So we have warmed up. We play one game and they go to chair for a drink. Play on. The surf clock.
3: What about the towel? The serve
1: what? clock needs to get quicker, and I need to hit the button and let's get on with it. It takes uh, far too long. Go on. Do,
3: do you think they do? You th- do you think that they use the towel between points too much? That that stretches the game out much yeah. further than what it. You know, if they're trying to finish yep. games yep. earlier, yep, that consuming mm-hmm. an awful lot of time.
1: Yeah, that, that, absolutely, that can be addressed. And I'll tell you the other thing that can be addressed. After sitting there calling Alexander Zverev and also Daniil Medvedev on Friday night. And you've got to fill time while uh, Alexander Zverev is bouncing the ball 20 times. We were counting them. It's a bit of fill time when you're doing uh, radio commentary, uh, let me tell you. They need, to, they, like, <laughs> they need to get that under control. Why do we need to bounce the ball 20 times? So there's all these things that can just fast track uh, the product get people out at a good hour. I mean, there's new tennis fans that are going to be emerging over the next ten to twenty years. Shorter time spans, shorter attention spans. They've got other things to do, so tennis has got to keep evolving. Paul, you've, you've kicked us enjoy, off.
3: Enjoy your tennis here, Brent, and um, we'll speak again.
1: Thank you very much, Paul, in Camberwell. Let's go to Brett in St Albans. Your call tonight one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your AO report card. Uh, G'day, Brett. Welcome. <laughs>
4: G'day, Brent Phillips. <laughs> hey, yes. How you going?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got a few Brents over the time. A couple of Freds. <laughs> you can call me oh, whatever you like. <laughs>
4: <laughs> nah, hey, listen, I love doubles tennis, right? Mm. And Ro- Rohan Bopana, I think that's gone, gone under the radar. And I know uh, Maddie Ebden has said you know, ageism and that, but the facts are there. He's 43 years of age. Never been
1: done. Has it been done before? Oh, no, I can't think. Well, I mean, obviously there's Leander Pays no. who played into his 40s, Mahesh Bupati who played into his 40s. There's something in the water in India that makes you play uh, tennis into your 40s. I'll tell you what, if they could well, actually get a couple of singles players to emerge from the men, the, the tennis would take off in that part of the world. But no, this is incredible. Well, 43, getting to world number one.
4: Fantastic. And and Maddie Eddon too, like sensational. I want to talk about Maddie Eddon's comments in the Herald Sun today. He's saying about, uh, you know, making doubles... Great and bringing on music and fans closer. If these magpies would shut up in the background, jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, he he was saying that the crowd should come in closer to the spectators. Would, would you say that the owners should be more on the players to create more of an atmosphere like the special case did in two thousand and twenty-two? Because a lot of a lot of a lot of the champions in doubles tennis have been, you know, you're more. Moderate uh, not nerdy types, if you want to put it like that. But then the special Ks came along. Um, what are your thoughts on doubles tennis? Because I love it as a as a uh, yeah, spectacle.
1: Well, I was banging on about it last night during our call with uh, Mark Woodford, one of the great uh, doubles players. And I I would like the doubles as the entree, not the dessert, more often than not. And I I've often mentioned this story about going to the uh, you know the ATP Finals, where you've got the best eight doubles pairings, the best eight singles uh, players, and they're the curtain raiser, if you want to call them the curtain raiser. And there's ten thousand. Is there a problem the with doubles
4: tennis, though, Brett?
1: There's not a problem at all. These guys are exceptionally... Because the men, and, the men and
4: the women are, are are pumping at the moment. So I don't, I don't, I think it's just going to be at that level. For forever, and they're, they're, like, they're trying, yeah, they're to, trying set to set some. some.
1: Yeah. yeah, but doubles is a really good product that shouldn't be always sure. after when maybe half the stadium has gone home because they feel like they've got the best value out of the singles match. Yet yeah, that'll do me for the night. I can only sit through three hours of tennis. You know, put the doubles on before and have it give them just a bigger a bigger platform leading into the singles, which is always going to be the main course, isn't it? So thats that's my view now I know' there's, I know there's layers and complexities to all that with TV you know Channel nine here obviously pay a lot of money as the uh, TV rights holder, you know the news is their flagship so there's I know it 's not as simple as saying put the doubles on before. I just think we need to think through doubles now Ebden has certainly said that let 's look at the product let's look at some funky music let 's just get the fans right down up close and personal. He's uh, certainly uh, got a voice on the ATP Player Advisory Council and all of you out there who go to the tennis, the majority of people at their club or playing socially, what are they playing? They're playing doubles. So let's, let's give it a bigger spotlight for me. Thank you, Brett. Nice work. No worries. Cheers. Getting us off to a good start. Paul in Camberwell. 1300 736 You can talk to me anytime across the next two hours. We're going to be here across the next 40 odd weeks. Obviously, a focus on the Australian Open tonight, but there's so many things we'll get our teeth into. And anyone that's listened to this show long enough will know that we're covering the full gamut from the juniors, the grassroots, college tennis, obviously, was a big part of our show in 2023. That will uh, return. Uh, paddle, which has taken off. We had the uh, Melbourne Paddle open where the Australian Paddle opened across uh, January. So there's lots of areas that we will pull apart. And I'm always guided by you as well. And you can contact me in long form any time throughout the week. The first serve, SEN, at gmail.com. If you want to send me some longer form correspondence, your eyes out in the tennis community, what are you observing and what are the major topics? And we'll get into all of those. Some from last year and there'll be some new things uh, certainly on the agenda. Let people know that there is a dedicated tennis show every week, like uh, Paul has done, uh, like um, Brett has done. You can call us any time. one 300 736 736 4 1116 So you can, uh, you can buzz us uh, any time uh, throughout, um, fo- throughout the two hours that we're on uh, every uh, single uh, fortnight. And I know that um, a lot of you prefer to text and you can do that as well, but I'd love your calls. So make sure you log on to our website uh, every day, The first uh, thefirstserve.com.au, because our team is putting in a lot of work to create uh, good topical uh, discussions in uh, the world of tennis. So uh, make sure you jump on there and, and log on. And of course, our podcast will be back uh, throughout the course of the year uh, as well. And uh, we'll bring you some news on that in uh, about a month's time. Uh, of course, Green Life Group, we can't do this show without Green Life Group. They've been great supporters of our show for a number of years. Uh, Detroit and all uh, his team, they're uh, based in Adelaide, uh, elevating your game on premium uh, sports services. So log on to glgcorp.com as our naming rights partner of this show. And we do thank them uh, for their uh, outstanding uh, contribution. I've got a few texts coming through uh, here. Uh, Brett, can we have a stringer on like Wimbledon last year, especially now that the event is over for some uh, stories, unusual events? So Jeff and in Sheppard. Jeff, I will make a note of that and we'll uh, get something organised for next week if we uh, possibly can. Uh, What else we got here? Uh, duh, 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 duh. I don't like how when I subscribe to the First Serve podcast, I get the paddle podcast. Could you please split them, Flipper? Thank you. Well, all their all content is in one um, library, if you like. So um, if you subscribe to the First Serve, you're getting this show, if you miss us live, and then you're getting all their other podcasts uh, through the year. So it's just a matter of scrolling through, but we can take a look at that. But I would have thought that was a fairly... Uh, easy way to sort of uh, navigate uh, through, but I will uh, take that as a little note. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Brett, another great year of the first serve. Um, it gets bigger each year, the AO. Brilliant men's final last night. The next wave has arrived. Uh, finally, we have Sinner Elkaraz Medvedev, who can take on Novak. Watching Sinner is like watching poetry in motion. In the ladies, we have uh, Zheng, who has done wonders for tennis in the Asia-Pacific region. What a rise to uh, get inside the top 10. Uh, she's going to be uh, certainly competing for higher honours in the sport and, uh, yeah, 10 years on from uh, Lee Na saluting. Uh, it wasn't quite her night. I'm up against the might and force of Arena Sabalenka, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. Just before we go to a break, uh, Robin Preston has uh, jumped on the Harcourts Open line. Uh, Rob, great to have you on the first serve. Uh,
3: thank you, BP. And I'm also a, an old Victoria supporter. So Good uh, my, my uh, problem or the thing I hate the most is uh, when they serve... Uh, basically, when they misalign the serve and then they repeat it, I think that should be called a fault.
1: Yeah, you're talking about the lets.
3: Yes, Rob. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah sorry. No. No. Uh, when 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 they serve and they throw it up and they mis misalign okay. the throw and then they've got to repeat it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a fair point. Yeah. There's a few faults I false, think that uh, should be a fault yeah, there's a, f- a few false alarms. Um, look, there, there's just so many so many things that can just be tidied up from a time perspective. And uh, the serve clock, uh, time off court, obviously, that's been uh, tightened up, also I, I still think we have two longer delays where we're you know sitting there at the end of a set and the you know it's eight minutes between the last ball being hit and the next ball being hit. That's just too long. I mean, you've got fans sitting there who, paying to watch um, you know, entertainment, not watching uh, the court vacant uh, for that period of time. I mean, obviously they understand that you know, tennis at the top level is pretty grueling and you've played a couple of you know, huge sets uh, in, in tough conditions that uh, the players have got to go off and change and, and all that. I think people are certainly understanding of that. But yeah, no doubt everything can just be uh, tightened up uh, considerably. We'll get a quick breakaway. Uh, plenty of your texts, your calls. Happy to talk to you uh, for the first edition of the first serve. Uh, back for uh, 2024. We'll also hear a bit of Yannick Sinner, Daniel Medvedev, Arena Sabalenka, uh, of course, Jinwen Zhang. Uh, we'll hear from Matthew Ebden and Rohan Bapana. And also we're going to hear a bit of Darren kale uh, tonight with Simona Vagnozzi, the uh, Italian coach who should not be forgotten. All the spotlight has certainly been on uh, Darren Kale. The first serve, we're up and running for 2024.
0: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve. Your home of tennis. Indeed it is. Brett Phillips uh, in the chair. Always
1: great to talk uh, the world of tennis uh, with you. Right across uh, the uh, SEN network, whatever frequency you're tuning into uh, tonight, you might be mobile on the uh, SEN app. If you haven't downloaded that, that is a must uh, to have in your pocket, Bluetooth into your car. You can carry us anywhere. You might be in the gym uh, tonight. Headphones in. Uh, you might be uh, down at your local uh, tennis club. Tell us how you're hitting him on, on a Monday night. And you can contribute to this program. The, the platform is there for you. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Obviously a, a focus on the AO uh, tonight, but this uh, show is free for you to express any tennis thought, be it grassroots, uh, be it uh, the, uh, the community tennis that uh, operates uh, right across uh, Australia at that, uh, that tier down um, and obviously the pro uh, circuit and all the other aspects of tennis that we uh, certainly cover at uh, the first serve uh, with all our podcasts as well, uh, whether it's wheelchair, tennis, uh, paddle, um, uh, the junior space we'll really uh, get into as we uh, go through the course of the year. Uh, Anthony and Mooney Ponds, uh, great to have you on the show, Anthony.
5: Yeah, good g'day, Brett. Uh, thanks for having us. Pleasure. Um, yeah, Brett, I just wanted to express a view. The Australian Open was fantastic, of course. Successful again, except for the prices to attend, which are, which are pretty expensive, uh, other than the ground passes. But um, but yeah, your, your suggestion's about speeding things up. Um, I, I reckon the left call is a good one. I, I agree with you. Yep. But I probably take a little bit of exception to the juice option that you talked about, about playing yep. one-point juices. Yep. I well, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just a social tennis player, I'm can't tennis player, but I reckon one point juice it just brings too much fluke or luck in, into the game. You know, the mm. feature of tennis is winning by two, mm. and um, you know, uh, juice advantage, juice advantage. You've got to you've got to win the game by winning yeah. two points in a row, mm. and and I just reckon that the suggestion to do that, like they do in the mixed doubles, it, it does bring you know, an element of luck and. Trickery into it, which I don't know. I don't think we want at the top level of Grand Slam tennis.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely take your view. view. Uh, Yeah, no, I take your view on it, Anthony. I mean, it's not one that I'm uh, like adamant that has to be in, but I love it. I actually love the concept of. it. I love the cutthroat nature of sudden death juice. Here we go, right? It's all all on the line. Let's uh, let's play the point. And we've seen it. Yeah, obviously in the doubles. Um, it's for me, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world if they don't bring it in. But in you know, just thinking of all the ways we can just speed up the game a little bit, uh, I would love it to be, yep, right here we go. It's come down to this rather than going uh, back and forth. But uh, yeah, I respect the traditions of the sport as well, absolutely. But yeah, there's, uh, there's lots of things uh, in tennis. Um, we could go through probably about 50 items in tennis that just could be tidied up a little.
5: No doubt about the time clock and whatnot, you say, um, I, I agree with that, you know, like I think players now look at that 25 seconds that they get, you know, they, they pretty much, um, mm. that's probably extended it, I reckon, now they're having that clock there, yep. but yeah, I, I I agree, there's things that can be tightened up, I mean, you, you just mentioned breaks and whatnot, yeah, absolutely, but I just, I just wouldn't like to see juice, single point juice, bought in, I just think that that is playing with the game, the nature of the game, and and, yeah, look, you know, it's a suggestion you know, and they have it in the doubles, But, I don't know, I, I was watching the mixed doubles and I didn't really like it. You know, it's all just down to one point, you know. Yep. But, but, anyway, uh, that's, that's my view. And I think uh, you, you're right to put it on the table and open it for discussion.
1: Indeed. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Anthony, I really appreciate your call out there at uh, Mooney Ponds. You can weigh into that amongst all the other little things that we could just tidy up, whether it be lets, whether it be sudden death juice being brought in, whether it's uh, no drink after the first game, the serve clock getting a little quicker... You know, what else can we do uh, just to uh, tidy up things a little bit? Uh, there was the text that came in, uh, Brett, two words uh, come to mind with slow tennis equals Rafa on the your thoughts. Well, yes. Yeah, that's why my understanding is that's why the authorities have been reluctant to uh, change some things, because uh, Rafa is so particular about everything he does, where he steps onto the tennis court uh, all the pre-rituals before he does uh, serve. And you know, this is one of the absolute champions of the sport. And I think you know, they're certainly waiting for him to retire, perhaps, to go, OK, we're now going and tightening up all these areas. How many times you go to the towel, um, you know, the serve clock, uh, making sure that you actually are in your service motion at 25 seconds, You're not going two or three or four seconds over, which uh, some players do. And it should be like a you know, buzzer, an automatic uh, penalty, which would add a bit of uh, theatre. Uh, no doubt uh, to the whole thing. Uh, BP, walking the dog listening to you from the shores of Cronulla. Stew, half your luck on a uh, Monday night. Sounds magnificent. Plenty on the uh, temper text. Uh, Nadal will serve when he's uh, ready to serve. Frustrated me for years. Uh, marking and Karen Downs. Uh, not all singles players are good at doubles, but if Goff and Bagula can play enough to be ranked top 10, surely uh, more can follow suit. Uh, just as the champions of the past did. Daryl from Ringwood. Thank you for your text. Uh, Daryl, I mean, they are the exception, aren't they? Uh, Coco and, and Jesper Pagula. I mean, a lot of players just won't even contemplate it these days uh, with how physically taxing uh, singles tennis is at the pro level. Uh, but regardless, um, there's some great doubles pairings in the men's and the women's. I mean, look at yesterday, Shea Sue, 38 years of age, and Elise Mertens, win a great doubles match. And here's Shea, she had 20 uh, months off. And was just pottering around the garden. Came back and she's won the French. She's won Wimbledon in the last 12 months and won the Australian Open. And she plays this incredible brand of tennis that I would love more bums on seats to watch up close and personal. So where you position the doubles and the scheduling, I know it's not straightforward and easy. But I think it should be an important topic of discussion amongst uh, the governing bodies that run this sport. Uh, Daniel says, it's only early in her career, but do you think Sabalenka is Serena 2.0? Yeah, hard to totally forecast where Arena's going to go, but I did say it a few times, Daniel, on uh, SEN today, that she is the one of that top bunch at the moment who could get on a bit of a tear, and you know, she could, couldn't uh, you know, become the queen of Melbourne Park uh, down the track. I mean, she loves a hard court. She'll always have great memories of playing in Melbourne as Novak, you know, 1-1, and a built to 10... Uh, you come back to a place uh, such as Melbourne Park with just great memories, a great vibe and a feeling. Uh, so Sebelinka has shown she can play on all surfaces. I mean, she coughed up the French semifinal. Likewise, Wimbledon uh, last year. So she can certainly play on the clay and the grass. And, you know, she could be the one that starts to separate herself. We know Eager's won three. Now Sebalinka's won a couple. has won one. Coco's won one. So they're the four at the moment that I'm... Probably the most um, uh, fascinated about evening, Brett. Is uh, this is the start of a new era in tennis with the new young tennis stars? And where does Novak, uh, where does Nick Kyrgios sit within this new group now? Cheers, uh, Andrew. Well, uh, certainly the new era in tennis. I think the Cena win over Djokovic is a bit of a. a, a cha- we talk about that, you know, th- throwaway line changing of the guard, and a lot of people have said to me, "Well, where has this real change of the guard uh, been?" Apart from Elkaraz winning a couple of majors. But, you know, Novak being beaten at the Australian Open for the first time in a hell of a long time is definitely a changing of the guard to not have him in the final. So now Sinners won one. Elkares has won a couple. Medvedev's going to stay around the point end, but it hasn't had, obviously, the impact on clay and grass that he would like. Um, and then there'll be, you know, the emergence of some other players who are hovering, who are, you know... Capable, but whether they can have the consistency and really shine, or uh, well, Holger Runa went out early here, would expect him to have um, a pretty good year and rebound from his early exit at the Australian Open. But the reality is, I mean, Novak's a year older this year; he'll be another year older next year, and they're going to be they're going to become tougher to win. It's as simple as that. I mean, you know, far the time catches up with everyone, so I think the new guys are absolutely uh, Daniel uh, ready to strike. Nick Kyrgios, look, I've said it before. I mean. Does anyone seriously think he's going to come back? I don't think he's coming back. I said this on SEM Breakfast. It might have been in December. I I think he's quite happy doing what he's doing. And I I, I can't see him sliding back in and having any great impact. I think even the time he's been out, the physicality has gone to a whole new level. Now, no one serves better than Nick Kyrgios, right? So he can stand and deliver from the service line and over 200 Ks and just get through service games. But if your movement's you know, not the best, and it's not elite, then you're just going to be fanned out. So I just don't know where Kyrgios fits into the picture, and I don't know whether he really desperately wants to come back. Uh, There's plenty of others coming through, BP. What a great result for tennis. Sinner is a star, and another great win by Arena. Uh, What a great few weeks. I know you won't read this out. Well, I am. But outstanding broadcasting by yourself. (laughs) I didn't actually mean to read that out. Uh, Aaron at Airport West, you are one of the great... Uh, first serve uh, listeners. It is good fun to do the tennis. I've got to say, you know, I do footy here and you do it for six months. You get into a rhythm with footy calling. I come back to the, the bunker at Rod Laver Arena every year and think, right, I've got to get into tennis mode. what does the and listener want to hear? Cause you're trying to find 10 different ways to say the same thing. Cause I think I'd go insane calling backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand constantly. And we've got rallies these days that are going 30, 40 shots and that can be uh, pretty taxing, but hopefully we entertain you. And, you know, I, I have the company of someone like Mark Woodford for a couple of weeks, who is a staunch Carlton supporter, Mark. He does not, we discussed this on air last night, he does not miss a match, he either watches it live, gets up at 2am and he lives in the desert in California, or he's travelling around the globe, uh, you know, the Grand Slams or wearing his ITF hat, or he's catching up on, um, on the stream uh, the next morning and... Yeah, he loves his footy as much as anyone, so we tried to weave a bit into that last night, but uh, hopefully you uh, did enjoy the coverage. And uh, Aaron at Airport West says, oh, and a free tennis day, Duda Gala Tennis Club, February 11. Uh, check out the socials there for Duda Gala Tennis Club on uh, on their socials for all the uh, details. And, uh, you yeah, know, I've, I've been promising Aaron I'm going to get out there, so please uh, remind me. A quick break here on the first serve. We are off and running for 2024. I'm loving all your correspondence uh, tonight. I'll get through as many on the temper text that I can. I'd love your calls. 1-300-736-736 as we
0: talk the world of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlife Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Friend, Eddie Yolic, uh, doing the
1: VOs for the first serve uh, this year. Thank you, uh, Ed. Uh, Great to be back. Uh, Brett Phillips uh, with you Monday night. I'm in uh, the SEN studios here. got the uh, man off to my right who's uh, doing a bit of vacuuming. Uh, Jason's uh, looking after me uh, behind the scenes, doing a, a beautiful job. And uh, we are here every Monday night live to talk the world of tennis. You can set the agenda and put anything you like on the tennis menu. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on the Harcourt's open line or on the temper text 1116 Mark in Quakers Hill up in Sydney. Mark, you're one of our regular callers. Always great to have you on the show.
6: Thank you very much, BP. Happy New Year to you and the crew. Uh, thank you. You too. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's funny. I turned uh, 52 in about a week, February 3rd, Saturday next week. So uh, pretty close to a happy new year and a birthday for me. So no, that's all that's right.
1: It's not far behind you. <laughs>
6: Beautiful. No, uh, age is just a number anyway. I mean, all exactly. you've got to do is look at someone like uh, Martina Navratilo with how long she had her career. Yeah. Yeah, and and
1: players players are playing longer, Mark, and why not? I mean, you know, Rohan Bapanta's pocketing a million bucks a year at 43. I mean, uh, keep rolling, and he just needs a a few massages to get him through the season. He'll be fine.
6: That's right, and him and his Aussie partner won last night. Brilliant. Yeah, and uh, the main reason I was calling tonight was I reckon, uh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to you and the SEN crew because you did a sterling job with the Australian Open as usual and always made for good, entertaining listening.
1: No, thank you very much. And we actually added in Stephen Huss this year, and he walks around Melbourne Park, and no one would probably bat an eyelid to the fact that he is the 2005 Wimbledon champion. And most people won't even recognize him in the street, Hussey. It was great to have him on board for a few of the matches. His analytics superb. He's working as part of Cam Norrie's team uh, this year. I digress, but yeah, great to have him on board.
6: Mark, what did you want to bring up about the tournament? Well, I think the tournament was really well done and I think there's a big congratulations deserved by your good self and the SEN team and Tennis Australia in general with regard to how Tennis Australia and yourself and SEN and everybody involved with the game in Australia is taking it forward where a lot of Australian sports are going backward because of a variety of faults either in the structure. Of how management is made up in those organisations, or how they're not implementing a sound strategy on the ground to develop their sports. For example, uh, Rugby Australia with the Eddie Jones fast we just had, they didn't screen potential candidates for the for the coach for the coaching position beyond Eddie Jones. I mean, they should have had, in my opinion, someone who doesn't just have the experience like Eddie Jones has, mm-hmm. but the empathy to communicate successfully with the team to lift yep. them up, not down. And besides okay. that, Eddie doesn't possess that kind of empathy. No, and he we also digress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I know, but, I know the point, I know the example you're making, but we might just bring it back to tennis.
6: Yep. Yep. And to with regard to uh, tennis... I believe right across the board, Tennis Australia has great sound strategies with regard to implementing experienced people, be it management in tennis or ex-players, in key management positions to know what the game needs to take it forward. They also have sound strategies with regard to developing potential of future young players on the ground. And a lot of other uh, sporting codes within Australia don't have that. I mean, Rugby Union, for example, they don't have sound talent development programs on the ground. And if you want the proof of that, you've just got to look at the Rugby World Cup with how quickly we were bundled Mm. out. Mm.
1: So what I would say, Mark, I I absolutely take your points. I I like sort of, you know, putting tennis in the general sporting discussion of where tennis sits. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's the month of January where it's all about the Australian Open. But for the other 11 months, it's all about, Tennis here in Australia. Now, anyone that's listened to this show long enough knows that we have banged on uh, quite a bit, debated, had uh, guests in from Tennis Australia, and we have guests on the other side of the fence who are the players, the coaches, the volunteers, the administrators, those who live and breathe uh, the sport. And like any governing body, uh, we have you know, a, a pretty much a 24-7 radio station here where footy dominates the airwaves and the AFL cop it left, right and centre. So yep. Tennis Australia get their whack at times. Uh, I did sit down with a key TA official at the back end of uh, last week. And over the next month, I'm going to try and get into TA and, uh, and just understand a few things from my perspective. It is easy to whack uh, the governing body, which a lot of people do who are involved in uh, the grassroots and community uh, tennis. And there'll be those really good people that work at Tennis Australia who would say we're doing a, a pretty good job for where we are uh, geographically on the on the tennis stage of trying to produce uh, some players. I mean, I haven't got time to go into all of that tonight. And that'll be uh, something we'll continue to uh, talk about and discuss the things that Tennis Australia is doing well and then the things that Tennis Australia certainly can improve as the governing body. So I think there's sort of two schools of thought. But as this show has always done, we will give the appropriate platform to all stakeholders in the game to discuss you know, what is the best way forward for tennis in this uh, country? I know it's a long answer, Mark. I know where you're sort of going, and there's a lot of that that is uh, correct. They put on a magnificent event, and the, the Australian Open will make more money this year than it's ever made. Now, my understanding yep. is that uh, some of that money will go into the continued redevelopment of Melbourne Park. Now, anyone that walks in there knows that Kia Arena's been added, the refurb to Rod Laver, the centrepiece building, which was uh, now houses the, the media Uh, but to the right, the Western Courts, as it's referred to. So Court 3, Court 2 need a big upgrade. And I discussed this with one of the TA officials, and that is on the cards and those other outside courts, which will really complete the venue because we've now got 90,000, 80,000 people coming through the gates. Now, Show Court 3 and 2, a lot of the Aussies are going out there, and the crowds this year were struggling to get a seat on those courts, and they probably need to bump the capacity up of those courts. There you go. Mark, there's a lot to discuss in tennis.
6: Indeed, bottom line, I think TA is doing a great job with everything they're faced with, in and I think a lot of other sporting codes in Australia could learn from that and pull their socks up and get to the same quality level.
1: Good stuff. Good on you, Mark. Uh, thank you for your call, Quakers Hill, up in Sydney, one of our regulars. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the text one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts Open line. Now, Brett, why did Alex uh, move out of the top ten rankings after making uh, the fourth round? So. Uh, Brett, the simple explanation is, yes, uh, come the start of the Australian Open, he'd reached uh, the top 10, uh, but he made fourth round uh, last year, so you're defending those points. And then Taylor Fritz, who's taken Alex's position back inside the top 10, obviously went on to make uh, the quarterfinals, uh, where he uh, went down to uh, Novak Djokovic. So he's elevated himself courtesy of uh, more points, and uh, he was only defending Taylor uh, second-round points last year when he lost to Alexei Poprin. So, Dimonor slips out for the moment to 11. Uh, Taylor's uh, back in at nine in the world. Uh, Pass dropped to three spots, uh, not making uh, the final, so he was defending some points. So, Hubie Hercatch had a, a terrific tournament, made the quarters against Medvedev. He jumps up to eight. Holger Rune at uh, seven. Even though he went out early, he does um, actually go up his spot. Sometimes you can actually go up even though you don't perform so well, because it depends what other players are actually doing uh, around you and what points they're uh, defending. So that's the explanation of Alex. But, you know, certainly um, we think if he can consolidate between, I would say, 8 and 10 in the rankings this year, that's the pass mark because that would get him to the tour finals in Turin uh, later in the year, which has got to be the goal now for Alex. And certainly the goal to be making at least quarters of the slams. I know he's certainly raising his own expectations. A uh, quick break. Uh, we'll come back with a little final stanza of our first hour. We're going to hear from, uh, in the second hour, some of the, the great uh, winners across the weekend. You're listening
0: to The First Serve. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Ed. one
1: uh, 736 You can uh, talk the world of tennis with us. Uh, Nick was great with his on-court interviewing, according to uh, Brett. Well, you know, it's something you could do. Uh, Brett, I mean, he's going to get in probably the media path in tennis and you know all the other things that he's got going. His foundation, OnlyFans, whatever else he uh, wants to do. Uh, Nick Kyrgios, I don't think the desire is to come back and play. He'd be watching these guys at the top going, do I want to sit out there and try and do this for three or four hours and rally and anyhow, he's made a bit of money out of the sport. I can't see him coming back, but um, what do I know? Uh, Brett, purely a casual observation, I'm certainly no tennis expert, but has it occurred to anyone else that 30-all is essentially juice? From Jonathan. I know what you're saying, Jonathan, but are you saying that we play one less point in a game? So can you elaborate on that for me? So 30-all, yes, we get to juice. I love the sudden, sudden death juice. Uh, one of our callers, not such a fam. Uh, I would love to see it, even trialled, If we're not going to bring it into the slams, I'd love to see it trialled at maybe that ATP 500 level. Let's maybe start somewhere uh, and and trial it, maybe for 2025 uh, perhaps. A lot going on in 2025. The calendar is going to be fascinating with the ATP and the WTA, uh, with what's going to happen with the the Saudi Arabian interest in tennis and where uh, their place is going to be on the calendar. Obviously, a lot of discussion around a Masters 1000 Uh, for the men, whether that would include the women as well, being in January uh, next year ahead of the Australian Open. Talking to a couple of people uh, late last week, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, obviously, uh, the Australian Open, Tennis Australia, has got a a pretty big seat at the table and a big say in the sport. And we get one month, one month of the entire year here to actually bring top-flight tennis to this country. And people park themselves in Australia. Players don't want to be starting with a Masters 1000 ...at the start of the season. Rafael Nadal made a comment when the ATP Cup was brought in... ...that you're playing top 10 players right from the outset. It didn't quite suit Rafa. And he was there sort of for the early pickings at the start of the season. And it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the players get such a short off-season as it is. They prefer just to ease him. I think if you ask them, they probably prefer to have the Australian Open... ...in a February or March slot. That's never going to happen. It suits us here beautifully... Uh, but, yeah, to, uh, to come in with a Masters 1000, and obviously the other discussion around Saudi Arabia is whether they replace a lot, since in Miami is the big talk of uh, maybe going by the wayside and Saudi Arabia uh, slipping in there, or does it become a 10th? It's a really fascinating calendar next year. I'm sure plenty of you are up to speed on that. Uh, that uh, There's a number of tournaments that have been elevated to 500 status. I think uh, Newport, uh, Lyon, and Atlanta, the 250s, will be scrapped from the calendar next year. So, there's a bit going on to give players more of an opportunity to make as many dollars as they can with uh, bigger uh, bigger pools in these tournaments rather than uh, playing a big stack of the uh, 250s. Uh, a couple of results are in tonight. As I said earlier, the Australians are moving on pretty quickly from the summer here. Mark Pullmans, I always go on about Mark. I'd love to see him crack the top 100. I've said it repeatedly. Well, could this be the year? So he's about 140 on. Uh, the ATP challenger down in uh, Burnie. If anyone's listening in, through Essie and Tassie uh, tonight, and you're in that uh, part of the world. Now, I have been to the Burnie Tennis Club. I went there on the on the wrecks, uh, flew over a few years ago, and uh, went to the lunch there. It was absolutely magnificent uh, the clubhouse and all the courts uh, in operation. And of course, I've got a couple of weeks of uh, Challenger tennis, and uh, Mark Pullman's can really use this as a, a platform for his year. So he's won through 6261. James McKay, we saw him. Of course, get the wild card into the Australian Open. Uh, six love, six two, defeating uh, Matthew Delavadova, which leads me into the text that's just come in. BP, thoughts on Jeremy Jin receiving an AO qualifying place ahead of Matthew Delavadova. Vadova. Uh, Jim being based in the US college system, where Della Vadova is Melbourne-based and has worked his way up to 4.33 in the ATP singles rankings. Well, anyone that's listened to me long enough, no, this, is, this is a bone of contention with me about wild cards. I mean, I'll just scrap them. Scrap them all together. Uh, one of our listeners, Robert, has sent me an expansive email. I'm going to give Robert the um, the, the juice of actually reading that out after uh, after our next break. But the simple theory around that is that they're always going to give it to a younger emerging player. So Matthew has been around for a while. I mean, 12 months ago, he was a guest in the studio here talking about the struggles of being on tour. And he had a, a really good 2022 where he cut his rankings from about 1,500 down to about 500-odd. And then this year was a... or well, 2023 was a consolidating year. So they're always going to give it to uh, a Jeremy Jin, who hasn't got as many runs on the board as a future prospect, rather than give it to Matthew Della Vadova, who's been around longer and hasn't maybe made the inroads that people in tennis would like him to make. But the whole wildcard thing, I said it during the Australian Open... Uh, to our first serve team, i said it on air a couple of times, and I'll go into it in a little bit more depth after uh, nine o'clock, but I'm more convinced than ever that we just don't give wild cards out to the Australian players. I mean, the whole arena and over situation, I mean, th- th- it shouldn't even cause those debates. At 34, she'd never been inside the top 100. Yes, our highest-ranked singles player, but has never been inside the top 100 in about 15, 16, 17 years on the tour. And we're just going to give her a wild card into the Australian Open because she's had a great year. No, no, go and earn your spot in qualifying. And she got knocked out first round of qualifying. So I think you earn your spot on merit because we give the same wild cards to the same Australian players and we have the capacity to do that. The sport says we can do that because the Australian Open is powerful and has a huge seat at the table. There's no commission sitting over the top of all the seven governing bodies going, no, that's not going to happen. And I think um, you, you've got you've to earn your spot, particularly at the slams. The tour events, I'm okay with, right? If it's the Brisbane International, the Adelaide International, give uh, an Aussie a chance as a wildcard, like all the tournaments around the, the world do with their local players, but not the Grand Slams. The Grand Slams are the pillar and you earn your spot and you know we've got players who are getting in there and getting bombed out first round who get 120,000 in the kicker minus some tax and their rankings are 200 250 whatever the case may be so uh, I just think uh, the four grand slam nations shouldn't have the luxury of being able to select their homegrown players who aren't necessarily always deserving of actually getting a wild card now we used to have the Australian Open wild card playoff it was a tournament in December, right? So you go and play a series of matches and you earn your spot rather than being a discretionary choice. It's actually based on performance. Now, my understanding is uh, at the back end of this year, they're looking to bring in, I think the USTA do this, where the uh, tournaments at the back end of the year count towards actually getting a wild card. And it's done, okay, you've won X amount of games, titles, etc., and you're given the wild card based on your last six weeks of the year. Something of that nature. So either we get to that or we just, yeah, I mean, I'm just still not even convinced that is the right move. Anyway, I could bang on about it all night. And you can bang on it too. one uh, 300 I think I've tidied up all the texts for the hour. Robert, I'm going to get to your expansive email after 9 o'clock because you've given a fair AO report card. Stick around all the way through to 10 o'clock. The first serve is your home of tennis.
0: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis.
1: Welcome back, our second hour of the first serve on this uh, Monday night, the 29th of uh, January. Uh, back for 2024 20, in our 16th year, uh, every Monday night at 8 o'clock, unless there's a change of programming, which can happen at SEN, depending on that live sport uh, throughout the year. And we'll always keep you updated if there's a, a change there, if we slip into a Tuesday, or we, uh, maybe go a little earlier, or a little later um all the details will always be at our website that's our home uh, where you can just log on all year thefirstserve.com.au uh, our team i should acknowledge our team of riders who did a great job across the last fortnight connor joyce uh, roddy reynolds todd schooler sean o'hearn uh, christian monaghan all did a, a great job at uh, duncan sign our socials uh, doing some uh, great uh, content and i know the guys that worked uh, pretty hard around the clock with uh, a few uh, late nights so uh, log on to the First server our podcasts are stored there. If you miss our show on a Monday night, uh, everything is there to go back and listen to when it does uh, suit you, knowing that uh, Monday night can be uh, pretty busy for some of you in tennis or uh, just attending to uh, family duties. But wherever you are, uh, make sure you interact with our show if you're listening to us live. You can do that via the Harcourts open line, one 736 as quite a few callers have done tonight. Or you can jump on... The 40 Winks Temper Text 04 As I said uh, last hour, the great support of uh, Green Life Group on board for another year, elevating your game on premium uh, sports surfaces. Uh, GLG Corp.com is where you can uh, log on to. Uh, I mentioned uh, the results with Mark Pullman's, uh, James McCabe getting through the uh, ATP Challenger in Bernie today in the first round. Uh, Isla Yenovich, just in the last uh, couple of hours, uh, playing the WTA 250 Thailand Open, has been bundled out by Dal McGulphy of the uh, Hungary a qualifier, 6-3, 6 loves. Not a great start for uh, Isla post the Australian summer, but it's going to take a little bit of time for her to get into the season, uh, hampered by not playing uh, uh, much tennis last year and hasn't played a lot, obviously, in uh, in January. So we need to probably just look at that over the next uh, couple of months as she tries to uh, recover her uh, ranking. Now, I did want to read uh, this out, and uh, Robert has gone to uh, great lengths to send me an email, which you can do anytime. The first serve, sen at gmail.com, if you want to send through some uh, longer form uh, correspondence through the year. Hi, Brett. Another Aussie summer of tennis is over. Big crowds, uh, record amounts of uh, five setters. Late nights and great matches. What were the Aussie highlights for me? Singles, Alex Minaur's uh, leading wins in the United Cup over Djokovic and Zverev and cracking the top 10. Uh, great that Alex defended his points from last year's AO, but a shame he served, deserted him in his fourth round match against Rublev. Very true. Hopefully he'll crack the top 10 again. Currently sitting at 11, which we touched on a little earlier. Uh, Storm Hunter making it through qualifying. End of the third round of the AO uh, main draw. And I said, you know, during the two weeks, uh, Rob, it's an interesting year for Storm. I mean, today she's lost her number one double spot. She's down to three, um, obviously with Elise Mertens and Shea Suwei uh, winning the title. But at 129 in singles, so she jumped about 50 spots qualifying and getting through to the third round. When I mean, I've said it for quite some time, I'd just love to see her get inside the top 100. I think she's certainly got the game to do that, which the lefties you know, um, what they can produce on a a tennis court. And uh, I think the decision for Storm this year in terms of singles v doubles and how she gets that uh, balance right. I mean, the doubles has brought her some very good paychecks over the last couple of years. And you go deep into the doubles, it uh, stops you from getting to qualifying uh, for the next uh, tournament. But, you know, I'd love to see her have a real crack at the singles. Uh, Teenagers, Emerson Jones and uh, Maya Joint. Uh, Emerson Jones winning Tarelgan tournament, making the AO Junior Girls final. Uh, Mayer making the final round of AO qualifying, pushing Jastrzemska to three sets. Of course, he went on to make the uh, semifinals, uh, as we know. Look, I'm a huge fan, uh, Rob of Emerson Jones. Watched quite a few of her matches at the Aussie Open uh, last week. Her uh, older brother, uh, Hayden, they've both been guests on this show. They come from a great sporting family based up on the Gold Coast. And uh, Emerson has got the same sort of look in the eye as uh, Taylor Preston, who... Actually, yesterday, I mentioned that uh, WTA 250 in Thailand, uh, Taylor uh, qualifying for the main draw. So, 199 live in the rankings at the age of uh, 18. And here's Emerson, three years younger, who's already got a WTA ranking and uh, certainly emerging. So, yeah, one to uh, continue to uh, track uh, very closely. Uh, Doubles highlights for Rob. Ebden and Bopana winning the men's doubles. Australian Open social media celebrated the fact that Bopana He's 43 years of age, the oldest Grand Slam winner and the oldest player to hold a number one doubles ranking. It's a good story, Rob, isn't it? It is a good story. And more players are going to keep playing uh, as as long as they possibly can. I mean, it's still good to have, you know, even Vavrinka going around singles. I know Andy Murray's uh, looking probably a little shot at the moment. Fascinating year for Murray and what he decides to do. But you are the CEO of the business and you can keep playing until you tap yourself on the shoulder. AO wildcard allocation. It's a pity that Tennis Australia couldn't recognise and reward their own players regardless of age. Arena Roddian over at 34, I think, won 78 matches, correct, uh, last year. She was also our best performed player in Brisbane, reaching the third round, yet was snubbed an AO wildcard. If Arena was awarded a wildcard, she'd be sitting inside the top 100 WTA singles rankings and would be the oldest female to debut inside the top 100 she's currently 101 only eight rankings points behind uh, the 100 uh, position Australia currently doesn't have a woman in the top 100 so that Rob is where I'll disagree with you what I said before 9 arena go out and earn the spot why were you given a wild card she won 78 matches in 2023 and a lot of those on the ITF circuit now there's no disrespect to Arena I mean she's had plenty of opportunities across a long career to be inside the top 100. So earn it on merit, rather than just be you know, given a wild card. You'll play the first round. That'll get you inside the top 100. No, go and earn it and win the appropriate matches that you've got to to actually get inside the top 100. So, Rob, I'll disagree on that. Uh, you would think with all these wild cards handed out that one player wouldn't uh, would have stepped up. So how did the AO wild card receivers perform? Pullman's first round, Duckworth first round, Kubler first round, Walton first round, McCabe first round. Uh, Kipson got the reciprocal wildcard the young American that we have with the USTA uh, Zhang who's going to be a player uh, got the Asia Pacific wildcard he made the third round the success story with Arthur, was Arthur Cazzo the uh, Frenchman who got the uh, French reciprocal wildcard he went on to make the, the fourth round so uh, he took advantage of that but not one Aussie wildcard made it through to round two so uh, Rob you're sort of Highlighting what I've been uh, talking about, really the women Preston first round, Beryl first round, Gadecki first round, Saville, first round, uh, Wozniaki. Um, this is where I don't mind the wild cards being given out to former champions. I'm just talking about the Australian contingent in regard to scrapping wild cards. Um, so Corne, Hontama, Kessler all went out fairly early. Wozniaki, not one Australian wild card making it through. To round two. It's incredible and pretty sad that not one Australian wild card in both the men's and the women's made it through. Roddy Nova truly deserved one. Seville's performance was terrible 62 unforced errors, 14 double faults. The final wild card was awarded to her. Maybe deep down she knew she didn't deserve it. There you go. End of conversation for me, Rob. It has to be addressed. Should there be a shake up on how the wild cards are allocated? Absolutely a shake up, Rob. Just don't allocate them. Uh, That's my uh, point of view on it. Here's Muzza on the text. Always good to have you on board, Muzza. You are one of the great Carlton fans. In fact, hey, I think it's a different Muzza. This is Muzza from Sydney. I'm usually uh, used to Muzza from Geelong. So Muzza from Sydney says, um, all three of my kids play tennis. My in-laws live in Melbourne and we are lucky to go to Melbourne every January for the last seven years except for COVID and enjoy the Australian Open. I just want to encourage the interstate listeners to get to Melbourne next and experience the Aussie Open. The atmosphere is absolutely incredible. The city is a buzz. The tournament is so exciting, and the facilities are great. Agree, some outside courts could do with a bit more capacity, but overall, it's a fantastic experience. Uh, the nearest atmosphere I can think of that comes close to that atmosphere is when Sydney hosted the Olympic Games at it, Mazza. some great uh, insights, and um, you know, I take it for granted because... This is the one big tennis tournament in my backyard just down the road. Uh, But if you are interstate listening on all the SEN frequencies across the country and those over in uh, NZ, absolutely, put it on the uh, bucket list to get to the Australian Open. There is so much to do. I mean, there's the the tennis element and then there's just feeling like you've gone to the the, the Royal Melbourne show for the day, walking out with show bags and there's activations going on and uh, it's a place where people congregate. Uh, there's no doubt. What else have I got on the uh, temper text here? Uh, Evening, Brett. Does Craig Tiley ever talk to the media? As I'd like him to explain why games finish after midnight. Not much care for the punters, it seems. Greg and East Ringwood. Well, he does. He does talk. Uh, he's talked to this show uh, many a time, uh, Craig. Can't talk to Jane Hurtlinger, the chair, who doesn't do any media. Um, I've banged down, banged down that door enough with Tennis Australia. I'd love to hear from Jane. The only time we hear from her is at the presentation ceremonies uh, every year, talking to um, the masses on large. And there's a lot of uh, stuff she's doing internally that we wouldn't know. But I'll, I would love the, have the opportunity to talk some tennis with her and her own uh, philosophies and direction as the chair of the organisation. Look, it's not uh, totally perfect, but Craig has touched on today about some further scheduling adjustments for next year. So this year we obviously went the two matches on Rod Laver and Margaret Court during the day session. Now we had the one uh, blowout day, which could have been even worse and might have finished at four or five a.m. in the morning, uh, when we had the Coco goff match that went uh, three hours, and then we had uh, what Fritz and Djokovic that went nearly four, and that obviously pushed back uh, Sabalenka's uh, match and Yannick Sinner closed out his match in straight, which got us out of there about uh, one a.m. So that it's it's. Look, it's complex and layered. Greg, I mean, I'm keen to keen to see if you have a solution to it. It's not totally straightforward because you've got nine as the host broadcaster who pay big rights, who obviously have a fair seat at the table and the news is their flagship. So could we start a little earlier and go 6.30? And it could be on the second channel and you pick it up if you want to watch uh, the full news bulletin all the way through to seven o'clock. I mean, tennis doesn't have a final buzzer, does it? So we get back to the other aspects, not necessarily always the scheduled start time, but the things happening within a tennis match, that if you rectify those areas, that could actually speed up uh, the, whole, uh, the whole product. So there's, there's plenty on the menu. And Craig does uh, talk regularly. In fact, I reckon he's done about four or five articles today. If you just Google uh, Craig Tiley, he's been quoted left, right and centre about his feedback uh, on uh, the tournament. I do appreciate your uh, text. All right, let's have a listen to uh, some of the combatants. In fact, just before we do that, we might slip in a break, uh, Jase, because we'll come back with uh, a little bit of Yannick Sinner and Daniil Medvedev from last night and their innermost thoughts having played in the Australian Open final. That next.
0: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve. Your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football, or cricket, trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at GLGCorp.com. This is the first serve. Your home of
1: tennis. Welcome back. Our first show back for 2024, Ross. I want to acknowledge your text as well. G'day, Brett. Is the A.R. going to pay back the Victorian government the 60? plus million we gave them, uh, because I need about $350,000 for some equipment for the Apollo Bay Bush Hospital. Uh, Ross, I can't give you uh, an answer, really, on that. I don't know. Uh, Behind the scenes, uh, how that's all played out. Obviously, um, TA took a fair hit uh, during uh, COVID, going into their cash reserves, and um, the Victorian government, who obviously have a great relationship with Tennis Australia, having spent so much money on the uh, precinct, uh, came to uh, the party with some uh, money. And I don't know how that's all sort of uh, uh, gone transaction-wise to uh, just rectify that ship. But in saying that, uh, yeah, they're going to make a lot of money, uh, TA, this year. Uh, That's the bottom line out of this year's Australian Open when you're over the 1 million attendance mark across the three weeks. Uh, Yannick Sinner, he also pocketed a very nice cheque across uh, the last uh, fortnight, uh, just over $3 million. The Australian Open, singles champion, the 22-year-old from uh, northern Italy, uh, let's have him listen to his thoughts as he addressed the media after that titanic five-set struggle last night
2: extremely happy how I handled also today's situation on court was was very very tough and but I think the most important part was was the support I had throughout these two weeks I felt that many many people were watching also uh, from home uh, in the TV so I I just tried my best a little bit over one hour so I I just tried to stay positive trying to stick into the game plan which I had to adjust a little bit Uh, Danil is is an incredible player and um, he has shown this. Also today, again, an incredible fighter. He has been so many hours on court, and obviously sorry for, for him today, but uh, for sure he will he will lift some more Grand Slam trophies. I was expecting something different from his sides. I had this feeling that he might come out a little bit more aggressive, not this aggressive. He played really, really well um, the for the first two sets or two and a half sets. I tried just to, to play even level. Trying to take a couple of chances in the third set, which which then I've done, and you know when you win one very important game, um, the match can change occasionally and, and and that was the case today. I just try to, to, to stay as long in the court as possible, um, knowing that he has been so many hours on the court and then the more the match goes on, maybe physically I'm a little bit better today because he played so many hours and, and I think that today was, was the key. I think this season what I have done not last year, two years ago, um, getting to know my, my body better, getting to, to know my team better, um, this was a very important step for me. Um, then last year we we tried to uh, to have some more um, results. I started off really well from the indoor tournaments, then in the Wells in Miami, I made semi-final and final, then also Monaco, I made semi-final, then the semis in Wimbledon. so I had very good results and I, I think that made me made me believe that I could that I can compete against the best players in the world and I still have to process it because it was you know, beating Novak in the semis and then today Danil in the final. <laughs> they are tough players to beat so it's, um, it's, a, it's a great moment for me and my team. But in the other way, we also know that we have to improve um, if we want to have another chance to, to hold a big trophy again. So we then this is all uh, the process will, will and the hard work occasionally will always pay off. I don't see them <laughs> so often, unfortunately, but when I see them, it's always great time. I went away from home when I was 14 years old. So I, I, I had to grow up quite fast trying to cook for myself, trying to make laundry, you know, the first time. It's, it's, it is different, but then in the other way, that was maybe the fastest way to grow up. I think for for me it was tough, but for the parents to live the son with 14 years old, it's it's also not easy. And they always gave me, uh, they never put pressure on myself, which for me was is maybe the key why I'm here today. Um, I'm a very or quite relaxed man who just enjoys uh, to play tennis. And I'm 22 years old, so I also enjoy. Uh, to do normal stuff um, and that's it no it's 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 they are the perfect parents and and, and obviously I know all, only them So, <laughs> but it's uh, they are awesome and and also my brother he, he brings me honesty um, throughout the whole career I'm going through it's tough to say if someone is like from my point of view that I am inside me basically it's 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 tough to understand when someone says, "Look, you are special, or you're a good player," because you, you know only yourself. It's it's like you are you cannot touch the ball what you are hitting in the other side. So it's it's. But in the other way, my journey has been quite fast. Um, I won Challenger when I was around 17. Then I won the Next Gen. Then came the first ATP uh, tournament, and you know, so it's. You live this kind of movement and, and and you just try to to keep improving and then you don't even realize how fast things are going and you know sitting here with this trophy now uh, watching it it's 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 for me. I still have to to realize it now because it's 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 one of the biggest trophies we have in our sport and so I'm really happy that I can share this with with my team today and yeah it means a lot maybe the most important because um the support I get throughout the now already years it's 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 incredible and and being able to to make them happy today because i I've, I've, i feel like that that they pushed me also um to that i can believe in myself and and then having having so much support it's amazing having them it's tough to say because it's like the crowd they give you that's the reason why you why you play in one way because when when the stadium is packed uh, 15,000 people they are cheering for for you or for your opponent it's 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 an amazing feeling just to just just to go on court and then obviously when you're in tough situation you want to make a good match also. Like today I was going fast I was two sets to love down but all the people who came there to watch I was like I have to I have to at least trying to make it a match somehow and, and and that was today's case. Yeah there there is always pressure. But the pressure is something good. You have to take it in a in a good way, it's a it's a privilege, no? Um, because there are not so many players who who have this kind of pressure. But in the other way, when when you have pressure, it's always uh, okay. He believes that I can really do it so yes I like to to dance in the in the pressure storm I, I don't I don't know how to how to tell like I me personally I like it because that's where most of the time I, I bring out my best tennis and I'm also quite relaxed in, in in this occasion because you I always try to to enjoy on on the court and, and so I think pressure is, is a privilege to be honest when I got the break on 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 the fourth set I started to feel like, OK, I can I can do it. Because the one break in the third set um, from 5-4, I, I, I broke him, went 6-4. It was obviously maybe the most important break I've I've done today because it 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 made me to have one set and trying to see how how, how he wrecks If I have to choose, I I guess was the break in the in the fourth set. I'm extremely happy that I am in this position now. I have a great team behind me who who knows what I have to do with Darren. He has a lot of experience. He he has been through this uh, already. Numbers of time, um, Simone, who we were talking already after the after the match, that we can improve still. Um, so it's it's all part of the process. Obviously, having this trophy, it's it's an amazing feeling. I I've, I feel grateful to have this here, um, but I know that I have to work. Uh, even even harder because the opponents they will find the, the way to to beat me and I have to be prepared. So let's see what's coming in the future. It's a big trophy. It feels special when you when you see the big names in the draw and you can win it. This yes because it, it, I feel even more privileged to, to only be in the draw and trying to win against other players and you know the more then you go on you see less people around the, uh, you know in the locker room or in the eating area and and this makes you feel okay I'm making a good tournament at the moment and and that was exactly the feeling what I had like in the last three rounds or so because from quarters there's quite empty and that's I think a really really good feeling.
1: The newest Australian Open men's singles champion, speaking to the media in the early hours of this morning, Yannick Sinner, what a star. Dance in the precious storm, what a, uh, a great line. Just off the temper text, Alex, in reference to a little bit of feedback over the last couple of weeks of the Open, uh, John Kane Arena was the best value. Didn't like the two matches during the day, uh, which were featured, of course, on Rod Laver and uh, Margaret Court. Uh, we referenced uh, Apollo Bay with one of our last texts. I played tennis there once, says Alex. It'd be a nice place to play tennis, uh, Apollo Bay. I can't think where the, uh, the tennis club is in Apollo Bay. No, in Lawn. I think it's up on the hill, isn't it, near the footy ground there in that uh, part of the world. But uh, there you go. We might do that as a topic uh, throughout the year. The great uh, tennis clubs around Australia. We might take some uh, nominations. you give me food for thought. After the break, we'll hear from the runner-up, three times a runner-up. Daniil Medvedev and get his thoughts next on the first serve. Whether it's
0: tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis.
1: Brett Phillips with you on this Monday night. Thefirstserve.com.au is where you can log on to. We're going to be here every Monday night. There's a little shift in programming. you catch us 8 o'clock Eastern for a couple of hours. If you miss us live, our shows will be podcasted. Our team of writers doing some great content. We will talk to you right throughout the year. So much to uh, play out. Daniil Medvedev, he was the runner-up to Yannick Sinner, of course, uh, twice in the space of uh, three years. He has uh, lost a match at the Australian Open in a final, leading two sets to love. But let's get the thoughts of one of the uh, well, the best
7: tacticians in the game. Different feeling, different circumstances I would say, so now I'm dreaming uh, More than ever, probably not today But in general in life But I would say it's n- not anymore A kid who's dreaming, it's me myself right now A 27 year old who's dreaming And who's doing everything That is possible for For my future and for my present And I love it, and that's why I made it to the final I wanted to win, I was close Was I really close or not, tough to say But was not far, and yeah The score line is similar but I think the match would be a bit different. I didn't think much about Rafa match uh, because I really tried to to leave it behind. So I don't think it had any issues. Otherwise, there would be many, many matches during the seasons where I would lose. And today again, I didn't didn't feel like uh, suddenly when I was two sets to love up, I stopped playing and kind of you know, let's say went behind the baseline, started doing like lobs. I didn't really do bad mistakes. I think what happened is he started to play better, a little bit different tactically because I proposed him something different in the beginning of the match, which was very aggressive. I got a little tired physically, but like every other match before, just every other match before, my opponents didn't managed to take advantage of it, or them also, they made, uh, they became tired. And Yannick uh, didn't really, because in the fifth set, I was like, I was like every other match, I was trying to, to be proud of myself. And I am, I was fighting, I was running and I was like, you know, I will try to, uh, if tomorrow I don't feel my legs, it doesn't matter. I'm going to try everything I can today till the last point, And I did it. And there were some points in the end where he was not, I mean, adrenaline going, but he didn't seem as tired as my opponents before. So he started playing better. I got a little bit tired, serve went a little bit worse. So the momentum changed and I really tried in my mind to change it back again because that's what tennis is about. But I didn't manage to do it and that's why he's a winner and he has a trophy. Tomorrow I'm not ready to do anything. I'm taking a fly, but the thing is that at least when I take flights I I don't like it like for my body I feel that I don't know what is it the pressure in the coming the position you sit in or whatever my body doesn't like it and tomorrow the way I'm feeling right now I think I'm gonna be after after the flight I'm gonna be dead for for a week but uh, five setters are tough for the body I had I'm actually it's crazy I would say the worst I felt was after Hurkash match the day after and after Zverev's match the day after so yesterday when I was on practice I was like damn how I'm gonna play the final, how I'm going to move. But we really worked hard with my physio, especially. He made a tremendous job to every time when I stepped on court, I was ready again. And then during the match, every time it was the same story. After two sets, I was, my energy level dropped, uh, was dropping because I didn't have a perfect sleep, I was playing long before. So that's, let's call it my fault because I needed to win easier matches, but sometimes it's tough. So it's not easy for the body, but at least I feel like I have no injuries in the sternum and some blisters, which is unfortunate, which is rare for me, but whatever. It's gonna go away, and I'm ready for next step uh, this season. Still strong start. Every match would be different because with Russo Vori I felt like same kind of like today a little bit. Two sets, he was playing like me today a little bit aggressive putting a lot of balls in the court I was playing very bad and so he won these two sets so the only thing I had left to stay in the tournament and be happy to be in the final I had to win the match so there we go the five sets with Hurkash same I was so hot and my energy level was dropped already in the second set and I'm just happy I managed to win this match for sure it's better to come like Yannick losing one set to the final but sometimes you don't have other choice and like I said in the court it's very very tough when, you're, when you have a mentality I don't want to say champion, but a good mentality, sport mentality, it's very tough to lose in the final. It kind of hurts more, maybe, than to lose in semis or quarters, but you have to try to find positives, and the positive is, well, the final is better than the semifinal in quarters. So, uh, that's the only thing I can say, yeah. After Sasha's match, I went to bed at five again. Never had this uh, late, uh, such late sleep time. Crazy. I remember one that was really tough was um, I think, especially after Rafa, I went to bed at like four, we played a crazy match, and then the next day i had to play again against dominic and i managed to win in the tyrant match so that was pretty brutal five setters can be okay in four setters because you have a day off but then yeah when you go to sleep really late the next day you feel horrible and then you try to recover for the next day but at least i got a record in something so i'm in the history books for something yeah let's take it <laughs> that's in a way the only thing i ask myself did i keep this aggression or lost it in the third even if i lost it i would connect it to physical level which uh, is better than mental level if you like, I don't know, become scared and try to retain the ball a little. I felt like I, in my mind I was still going full, but the body was a little bit worse. Uh, what made me decided is my physical condition. I knew that I'm not gonna be able to, because Yannick is right now, He's he can play long rallies. He can stay there if I would be 100% fresh physically. Maybe with my coach, we could decide before the match, look, I'm gonna get into this rallies and let's see who is stronger physically. But I knew that uh, today I'm not in this shape. So So I needed to make uh, the points as short as possible. I knew that there are still going to be long points, but I needed to make points as short as possible, take his time, and it was working well. And to be honest, I think it was working well till then. I still had, uh, what, two break points, so one in the fourth set, Uh, he made an ace. I didn't choose the right side, but I think, yeah, that's what I needed to do. So again, I'm uh, proud of what I did. He hits strong, Uh, then we should like average speed. I would think he's top three, top five on tour, maybe top one because he hits very strong and before he was missing a little bit because it's tough to hit strong you can miss now he doesn't miss much and that's why he has a grand slam and that's why he has a lot of titles and that's why he's winning a lot of matches i personally hope when i play him that sometimes you know tennis is an up and down game Uh, otherwise you get 24 grand slam (laughs) but personally hope that next time i play him he's gonna miss like he did a little in the first two sets and then last three sets he missed uh, barely missed and even last game i'm like who knows maybe he can get tight so went a little little bit back I was like I try my final shot and then uh, match point forehand down the line what probably 160 kilometers an hour and the match is over i think sympathy is always nice so already like i didn't have time to answer but i really got a lot of friends you know some text me out after every match some other tennis players my friends some of them 200 300 and they some of them i saw already the messages they were like i'm proud of you bro uh, like a big man hug to you and stuff like this and you read these messages and that's a nice feeling that's a nice feeling after a tough loss better have uh three uh very good friends than 100 just people you know that are there when you win and when you when you lose they don't really care I I follow this uh, advice really well I really have uh, people in my life I try to have people around me that I trust and they can trust me and some others I I, I don't want to be loved by everyone it's impossible but I want people that I love that they love me back, but like close circle. Sympathy is nice. So I felt really bad after Rafa's loss. I don't know how I'm going to feel in one week or in one month because sometimes the deception comes after. And like after Rafa's loss, was it the reason or not? I had my worst season. So I have no idea what's happening next, but I'm really going to try to keep the mentality that uh, I go for next Grand Slam and I try to, to win there. And uh, in the middle, there's going to be some other tournaments. And if I play them, I play them to win. Otherwise I would stay at home with my family. That's something I worked a little more preseason I'm getting older that's true I'm still very young but you know if we were if we look at Novak or other big champions when maybe in the beginning of their career we could say they're a little bit defensive or something like this I feel like all of them that wanted to go higher and higher and wanted to stay on the top of the sport when they uh, get older they tried to do it so I uh, will see if I can try to do it my volley was pretty impressive this uh, this tournament and I'm happy about it so uh, Yeah, I think uh, I can do it more often. I still think uh, the main core of my game is going to stay, try to put as many balls in the court, uh, make my opponent work. But if physically, I'm not feeling well this day, or if tactically I feel like that's the thing, I'm going to try to make it more. Uh, Must listen,
1: uh, Daniil Medvedev. He's got uh, a high IQ, and uh, the way he sort of pulls apart and dissects a match is always uh, fascinating uh, listening. Uh, a couple uh, on the text. Uh, what a legend. Uh, refreshing to hear someone speak so honestly off the uh, off the temper. I mean, he's very authentic, man. He's a must-listen to impress. And he's quirky. All the Russian players have been a little bit quirky. And, you know, he has his meltdowns and he's uh, hero. One minute, he's villain. The next. Uh, BP, why was Novak's schedule for so many day games? Seems weird. Number one, best ever, 10 Australian Open titles. So as soon as they made des- the decision, Brett, to play Alex Dimonor on the Sunday night, in his fourth round, they wanted him on uh, a big stage, prime time on Rod Laver. That meant that Novak had to play during the day on Sunday. So, uh, Rublev beat Stepanov. What around about midnight, Sunday night. So he ne- he needs to be given the appropriate time to recover, which meant he went into the night match against Yannick Sinner on uh, Tuesday night. So Djokovic and Fritz have both played during the day on the Sunday. So all about giving the same amount of uh, prep time. And then obviously as a result of winning uh, that quarterfinal on the first day of the quarters meant that he wasn't playing till Friday. So he got a good break till Friday, but he would play in the first of the semifinals uh, because uh, Sinner uh, played his uh, quarterfinal on the Wednesday night. So he's given through till Friday night. So all about just the appropriate breaks for the players. Um, it's just the way it worked. I mean, and you can't blame the uh, Tennis Australia for wanting to put and the scheduling committee for wanting to put Demon Horn uh, into a, a primetime slot on that uh, Sunday night. Uh, loved watching Marta Kostiuk. So proud she made her best a grand slam result making the quarterfinals. If she was on the other draw with Zheng, I feel Marta could have progressed further. Hope you can interview her. She's very knowledgeable. Uh, Alex, I like her. And uh, I'll never forget Marta bursting onto the scene as a 15-year-old, making the third round of the AO a few years ago. I think it was a year after she won the juniors. And she's up to 28 now in the career rankings. Uh, very uh, proud, like Diana Yastrzemska and Lena Svitolina of their country at Ukraine. And they're carrying a lot, not just their own hopes, but they're carrying um, a, a bigger a load on their shoulders, doing it for their country, which is obviously in the uh, news for... Uh, the wrong reasons going through uh, so much. So, yeah, I've got a little asterisk, uh, Alex, next to Marta Kostiuk because I think she's capable of certainly going a lot higher uh, inside the uh, top 20. We'll take our last break and we'll come back and uh,
0: wrap up the show here on SEN. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve. Your home of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football, or cricket, trust Green Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at GLGCorp.com. This is the first serve. Your home of tennis.
1: Yeah, Green Group certainly elevating your game on premium sports services. Log on GLGCorp.com. Uh, One three hundred. Seven three six seven three six. I can see Greg from Strathbogie, Jace, ringing in. He's ringing in very late. He's a good man, though, Greg. And Jace is going to run around here and get you in in the nick of time. Although you've just hung up, mate. You've just hung up on us. Gregory, you've got about a minute, but uh, I'd get in earlier. <laughs> We're about to sign off. What is world tennis going to do about all the bouncing of balls before serving? Last night was so much more enjoyable watching him. Uh, when both players got on with it. Yeah, I mentioned that. You might not have tuned in at the start of the show, but we talked about a lot of things to quicken up the game from let's to sudden death juice. No drink after the first game. The serve clock a little quicker. Um, Yeah, the bouncing of balls. Yeah, it was good last night. I mean, Medvedev doesn't waste any time. That's why we miss Roger, don't we? Roger just got up to the line and let's go. A couple of bounces into the service motion. It is ridiculous. 17 bounces. My goodness me. Greg in Strathbogie, Great to have you on the show, Gregory. I just
3: wanted to ask you a very important question. Go on. Will you sleep in tomorrow morning?
1: Yeah, but my definition of a sleep in is about 6am. <laughs> my body clock, Mate, uh, Greg, tell- my body clock is wired to always get up in the fives. Mate, I'll tell you it. one
3: thing, we're We're very lucky to have you. And as long as I'm involved in tennis... Okay. You're
1: Mr. Tennis. Well done, mate. How oh, are we, Bogie. How's the club up there going?
3: We're we're so excited. We're we're setting up. You'd be familiar with Linton's Squad and also Shell Squad and Mackers and all the other ones. We're setting up a squad mm-hmm. for thirteen to seventeen year olds. Four Good. training sessions a week. Free training.
1: Magic. Magic. More,
3: how do people find out
1: more, oh, Greg? How do people find out more?
3: Well, uh, the president of Strathbogia will have it on his side. The local paper will advertise. But when Ian Ockleshaw, Don Drogonny and Ian Barclay coached together, yep. they had the best results ever. Right. And we'll have four coaches as well.
1: Good man. Hey, let's do it again. Um, We're going to have a longer chat. Just um, a little earlier with the call and uh, we'll uh, get you more time. Greg, thank you. Appreciate it. Alex says, let's, we'll fix up the speed. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get rid of the lets, all the bounces. No drink after the first game. Let's keep banging on about it and I think uh, we'll get a good result in the end. Hey, we're back and uh, off and running. Thank you for all your correspondence uh, tonight. Texts, calls. We'd love that. Every single week. There's so much to pull apart in the world of tennis and you have this vehicle to do it. On uh, national radio all across Australia and New Zealand on the SEN network. Thank you to Jason looking after me uh, tonight. Thank you to GLG Green Life Group, outstanding. Thefirstserve.com.au, that's your home. Log on, we'll keep you abreast
0: all year with the world of tennis. Whether it's tennis, football, or cricket, trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis.